All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the seventh episode of the Work From Home Nomad podcast. I'm your host, Wilson, where I ask super adventurous and down-to-earth work-from-home nomads from all over the world the same questions, and the resulting stories are always different, interesting, and exhilarating. These work-from-home nomads have the ability to work from anywhere with good internet and travel the world at the same time. And today, I have the privilege of interviewing the one and only, the advanced traveler, Tom. Tom, how are you doing today, brother? I'm good. How's it going? Good, good. Thanks for being on. Uh, where are you right now? Uh, I'm in Brazil at the moment. So I'm in uh, Florianopolis, uh, which is a okay. town in the south of Brazil. Uh, it's absolutely gorgeous, but the last few days it's been raining. and I'm just looking out the window and it's a little bit grey, but usually it's boiling hot and it's lovely. <laughs> yeah. And you're in Primoli right now, right? Which is uh, right. I think you're five minutes from the beach. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, yeah, I can cross the road. Uh, we've got the beach there. There's beach bars and all sorts of stuff like that. So um, sometimes I'll go down there with my laptop and work from the beach. Really <laughs> right nice. on. And yeah. uh, how did you end up there? Uh, why did you choose Florianapolis? Why did you choose Brazil? Um, so I've been, I came to Brazil six years ago for the World Cup. Um, and I traveled all of South America. Um, and I actually came to Florianopolis about six years ago. And it's a really cool, vibey place. It's got like really good bars, restaurants, um, but then you're in paradise. You're, you're on an island uh, with lakes and loads of like outdoor sports and things like that. So for me, it was the perfect balance. And um, Brazil, honestly, I chose it because I Googled places where there wasn't a, a proper lockdown because um, I was getting so sick of the lockdown in the UK. Uh, and Brazil was one of them. Yeah. <laughs> Brazil and uh, Sweden. Um, and I figured I, I prefer the heat. Uh, so I chose Brazil instead. Right on, right on. All right. Well, thanks for that uh, intro, Tom. Well, to give a little bit of a background on Tom, um, you can obviously tell from his exotic or very, very nice accent that he is from the United Kingdom. Uh, and I admittedly had to Google this, uh, Leeds, uh, is that the town you're from? It sounds That's like right. it's in yeah. uh, <laughs> Staffordshire, which is pretty close to Manchester. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to fact check you. It's in Yorkshire. Um, okay. Manchester. It's about an hour and a half uh, away from Manchester, and our football team isn't as good. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so quite a few differences there. Yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. Um, so Tom studied international business and finance, uh, has a bachelor's degree. Um, and uh, now you're in fintech, now you're in finance, which um, from what I understand is uh, you're responsible or on the team um, that tracks down anti-money laundering and compliance. Uh, so how did you end up there? Yeah, it's quite random. Um, I've always worked in finance um, and I was working at uh, Deloitte before I started at my current company. Um, Deloitte's quite a big corporate company. Um, it's not really me, if I'm honest. Um, mm -hmm. So I felt uh, I learned some skills and I was doing compliance and, and sort of anti-money laundering at, at Deloitte. So those skills are transferable, but I realized I wanted to work for a company that's um, more of a startup vibe so open paid uh, where i currently work is it's not a startup anymore but it's it's uh, relatively well established but it's still got the the sort of less corporate atmosphere more laid back in terms of it, as long as you get the work done 
um, then right. they're, they're quite comfortable to, to support me and my flexible work and flexible traveling and bits and pieces like that. So um, yeah, it's definitely more me. Yeah, very cool. So you went from consulting, right, at Deloitte, uh, and now you're uh, uh, more just uh, in a more, I, I guess, natural, uh, how should I phrase it? <laughs> you're just in FinTech now. You're not really consulting. Uh, yeah, so how was it, that transition? Yeah, um, it, was, it was nice, to be honest. Like, if you go from a corporate environment to a non-corporate environment, that's definitely the way to do it because it's, it's not a shock to the mm-hmm. system. You, you right. start to see that there's ping pong tables and stuff like that in the office. And, you know, mm-hmm. there's more flexible working hours and you can come in like, like this. I just, instead of having to wear a shirt and stuff like that. So um, it's, it was a lot nicer. Um, also, because I was a contractor before at Deloitte, um, they mm-hmm. kind of didn't treat you great. They treat you like shit. So I was like, <laughs> like farmyard kind of animal just coming yeah. in, do your work, hit your targets and go. Whereas here, it's a bit more of a nice, nicer environment. And mm-hmm. I prefer the industry as well. Um, awesome. It, it's international payments. We've got um, so cryptocurrency. We work with a lot of uh, cryptocurrency firms. Um, so mm-hmm. it's a lot more based. And um, yeah, it's what I like. Right on. So you went from studying international business and finance. Today, you're... You're, you're in FinTech. Uh, so it seems like it's been fairly steady so far, um, in, thus far in your career. Have you ever thought about changing? Have you ever thought about, uh, did you ever have any doubts along the way? Because it seems like from whenever you studied in college and university to today, uh, it seems that the, the route has been somewhat relatively stable. Uh, yeah. what, what would you think of that? Um, I'm not sure. I think I'd probably say 90%, no, probably say about 10%, sorry, of people um, end up going into a, a job that, that they really love doing. You know, they mm. want to be an artist, they want to be uh, a musician, and they go ahead and they, they do that. Um, mm. With me, I kind of fell into this, this line of work. Um, and then I just kind of went down that path and kind of started developing within the industry, progressing in the roles that I've done, getting the odd promotion here and there. So it kind of chose me, if that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Look, it's all right. I, I like the, I, I don't mind the work. It's, it's okay. It's, it's not like mm. the, the most riveting job in the world, but um, right. you know, maybe a couple of years time, a few years time, I might, might change it up a little bit, but, the main thing for me is um, being able to achieve what I want outside of work as opposed to, to inside of work, if that makes sense. And outside of Absolutely. work, I'm definitely doing what I want to be doing. Yeah, awesome. So you've been promoted. You've, you've done a lot of great work uh, thus far in your career. Um, you know, how are you able to balance that with traveling? Um, so it's quite recently that I've started like this sort of lifestyle of working and, and, and traveling off the back of the COVID situation. I've always mm. been traveling, but I've never had any responsibilities when I've been traveling. So I did seven months in South America and I wasn't working or anything like that. I was just, just traveling. So it is a lot more difficult. Um, but in my mind, it's, it's easy as long as you've got a, a, a slight routine 
So one thing that I always make sure is that I'm staying in um, places where they've got good internet. So I'm currently staying in Selena and their business model is basically um, they've got a hostel and then they've got a kind of co-work space attached to it. So that's really important for me. I, I don't want to be staying in hostels where there's going to be like drunk Australian backpackers, like getting, <laughs> you know, like getting pissed drunk behind me and stuff like that. <laughs> I don't need that. Um, people don't want to see it. Um, so that's one thing where I stay. Um, another thing is just having that discipline to, to know when to say no. I let it slip. So last night I went out, had a few drinks. And it was really <laughs> But as long as you're setting the alarm and as long as you're getting up and dragging your ass out of bed, um, you know, having that discipline sometimes to say no um, and right. go to bed at a reasonable time, then mm. um, it's possible. Right. So let's talk a little bit more about that. How do you stay focused and disciplined? Um, you know, you're you're in a hostel where there's, there's fun people. At least there are no drunk uh, Australians in the back of yeah. uh, back behind you, uh, distracting you while you're working. But uh, you know, again, whenever people think traveling, they're thinking, "Oh, you're by the beach. You're not doing much." Um, you know, you just stated that at, during times, at times, you go to the beach and actually work. Um, yeah. So, how are you able to pull that off and um, make sure you get your done work, your your work done effectively? Um. Again, I think it's just more the fact that I'm, I'm busy at work and if stuff doesn't get done, then people will notice and I've got tasks to do and that it's on me and it's my responsibility alone. So right. again, it's, it's, it's like, I don't really have the option. I, I need to do my work. Right, so right. <laughs> that's kind of what keeps me focused. And um, yeah, I, obviously the perks of going to the beach and bits and pieces like that, walking down, having that lovely view, but I've still got tasks at hand that need to need to get finished. So right. again, it's, it's not so much of a choice. It's just, it has to happen. And um, it would be no different if I was in the office as to if I'm here, right. this, the job still need doing and the work still needs to get done. So that's, right. that's, that's kind of how. <laughs> Absolutely agreed. All right, cool. Um, so you just mentioned that this from home plus travel lifestyle is something you just recently started yeah um and so uh for for the listeners tom is actually one of the um i, I guess one of the people who started this lifestyle as a result of the covid19 pandemic um now he is taking full advantage of the opportunity um where now the shift to work from home is becoming if not permanent little bit more permanent than before uh but before that tom you were traveling a lot uh and i have a, a couple of notes on my other screen here it looks like you've done some climbing uh in bolivia ice picks and boots uh can you tell us a little bit more about that experience uh yeah so the reason i read that one down is because it was one of the coolest things that i've um, ever done um basically uh I was in La Paz. Uh, La Paz isn't actually very nice as a capital. I don't know, if <laughs> but it's, it's a bit of a shithole. Uh, but outside of La Paz, there's loads and loads of cool stuff to do. So there's um, loads of huge mountains, mountain ranges, and bits and pieces like that. So um, and one of the activities or one of the tours that you can do 
is um, go with the ice picks and the, uh, I don't know what the boots are called, those like ice boots, and mm -hmm. um, basically climb up like um, rock the um, ice faces and um, basically do a summit to, to the top of the, uh, to the top of the mountain. Um, mm -hmm. So I think it's about 7,000 feet or something like that, or 5,000 meters, over 5,000 meters high. Um, and it was absolutely awesome. So we woke up, um, you hike up um, to, the, to the starting point where the, where the ice starts, the ice trail starts. Um, mm -hmm. And then you basically go to bed at about sort of seven, eight o'clock with the yeah. view of waking up at about three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning. The idea is that um, you need to be on the, on the uh, glacier or on the ice at that right. time because during the day it melts. Um, and then we hiked from about three. Uh, we managed to get to the summit at about nine, ten o'clock um, in the morning. Uh, you, I was basically strapped to the uh, to the guide just by a rope. So he mm. had his ice picks and his ice boots. I had my ice picks and ice boots, and we were yeah, just just there was just a rope between us basically. Um, right. And the idea is, if one of us fell, then the other person would drop. And then kind of stick their ice pick in the in the ground to yeah. stop the other person like going off the mountain. Uh, but yeah, got to the summit about ten o'clock. You got like an absolutely amazing view of all of the the mountains, and um, yeah, it was really cool achievement. Yeah, really, right really, really cool yeah, and it was only like <laughs> two hundred dollars to do, so yeah. one hundred and fifty dollars, which I thought was pretty good. So very cool, very cool. Yeah. Uh, some other notable travel experiences that you've had also, um, you listed driving the highest road in the world in India on a motorbike. Can you tell us a little bit more about that experience? Uh, yeah, that was awesome. So in um, Rajasthan, um, in, in India, we bought uh, motorbikes. So um, the motorbikes in India, you can, there's basically like two kind of types. You can get little engine small engine like honda type bikes with right. um i think the engine size that i had was like something like 90 cc so it's a really really small engine or you can get the big royal enfields which are kind of look like harley davidson's and they're the big <laughs> kind of old army bikes uh we opted for the shit version and went for the little hondas because um, <laughs> uh, they were cheaper um yeah. and we drove from Rajasthan. Um, and we took the bikes all the way from Rajasthan um, over the mountains to, into Kashmir. Um, mm. So the um, pass that I was talking about um, was, it's called the Manali Leh Highway. And basically you um, go over three big mountain passes uh, on the motorbike. Um, and then you eventually end up in Leh, which is a small kind of like Tibetan vibe town. Um, and yeah, it was, it was awesome. But the most interesting thing about the story is because, um, obviously when you get to a certain height as a human, um, the altitude, um, it starts to take its toll and you have trouble breathing. Um, mm. it's the same for bikes and it's the same for cars. So the, by like literally the last sort of thousand meters the the Honda was just just chugging along at like two oh, miles an hour. It was ridiculous. <laughs> and yeah. um, every single day, it was like about four or five days that it took us to get over the over the highway. Um, mm -hmm. Every single day, we were like, this is going to be it. The, the bikes aren't going to last. The bikes, it's not going to work. Like, we're going to have mm -hmm. to turn around. Um, 
and eventually we we got to the top and no yeah. nobody does it on honda heroes like just to be clear everyone does them on royal enfields because the bikes are bigger and they've got bigger engines and they've got the capacity the fact that we did it on a 90cc um honda was like yeah. it was it was nice like it was a good achievement i think <laughs> very cool very cool yeah. uh nice all right well i guess my next question is somewhat controversial so be ready uh do you prefer steaks in argentina or do you prefer steaks in brazil oh argentina 100 <laughs> percent. yeah 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 definitely like yeah like <laughs> way better for food than than brazil sorry if there's any like brazilians <laughs> i think like yeah. I mean, if i'm honest i'm not a massive fan of brazilian food it's okay like yeah. but uh nah in, in argentina the steaks are like the shit honestly um yeah. juicy um cooked i mean they're cooked in like a certain style so on hmm. like an asado or something like this it's like a slow cooked barbecue um yeah. all the sauces and stuff that they give you with it um there's a sauce called like chimichurri which you can have with it as well um mm. but yeah i've had some really really good steaks i remember i was there with my ex-girlfriend and mm-hmm. uh, we crossed the border to mendoza from chile and mm. we went and had a steak and i remember just both of us taking the first bite and literally just like putting our knives and forks out and just <laughs> yeah uh, so we had to like save the moment um but yeah i think um uh, i yeah. did that one i really like food and and um yeah argentina they've got some really good steaks that's awesome yeah no uh somewhere somehow i see millions of brazilians around you just um in a disapproving yeah. uh, look but <laughs> i'm just kidding Don't all right cool no <laughs> yeah <laughs> don't worry i'll protect you all yeah. right uh I, I know you didn't mention this uh in the pre interview questionnaire um, but I remember yeah. you telling me this in person when we met a couple months ago yeah. um, so you have actually been in Venezuela and like pretty recently yeah. everybody talks yeah. about how dangerous it is people read the news how do you have the courage to go to Venezuela um like I don't know I, I, I was um in an area whether to do it or not and like to be honest it was probably best that I hadn't had done, hadn't done it um, but I still had a really good time. So um, I guess I had some trouble in Venezuela. So I got arrested by police and they, they took me <laughs> off me. Like yeah. So it was pretty nuts. Um, but on the way up, I was traveling up the, um, the coast towards Venezuela. So the Brazilian mm. coast. And um, I was getting more and more north. And the more and more north that you get towards Venezuela, the more footfall you get from travelers that have been to Venezuela. And... Mm. I spoke to some of them and they said that it was fine and that there weren't any issues. And I realized that everybody that told me not to go to Venezuela hadn't actually been to Venezuela. So I was like, right, well, yeah. I'm not just gonna listen to people that have been and, and had the experience and can actually give me some genuine insight into it. Right. Um, and I was just like, fuck it, like, why not? So <laughs> I don't know, I've never really, um, I always take precautions when I'm, actually when i was younger i didn't take as many precautions as i do now but in general i take precautions when i'm traveling i try and stay safe i try and stay vigilant um but i would never let uh, sort of unless it's really extreme like there's a war going on or something like that i would never let the Mm. danger of a 
country or the, the fact that you could get robbed or mugged put me off going. Brazil's mm. dangerous, you know? Yeah. Um, so, and I'm here. Um, people forget Brazil's like obviously absolute paradise. It's like one of the nicest, one of my favorite countries. Yeah, People agreed. forget how dangerous it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, I agree. No, that's awesome. Very cool. Um, so that's some nice travel stories uh, that you shared. Thank you very much for that. Um, I've always admired uh, your stories that you've told me. I think it's the first time I've heard about the India story. Yeah. Uh, but I think I've uh, you've told me the other stories. Um, you are quite the advanced traveler there, Tom. <laughs> uh, but very cool. Back to maybe the work from home plus travel lifestyle. Um, you know, in the past, you have kept them separate. Uh, yeah. Right now, um, you have essentially combined them. Um, what are your views and opinions of the future of work from home and travel? Uh, for me specifically, or just in, in general across the different industries? Both. Both. Um, so for me uh, specifically, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to happen a lot more. Um, I basically managed to negotiate with my work. Um, I'm, I'm moving to Malta when I get back, so I'm not actually going to go directly to the UK. I've got a, a job in Malta. I've got a promotion in Malta. Um, oh, congratulations. So yeah, cheers. Uh, so I'm going to be doing six months in Malta and then um, to get my residency there and then my work have agreed um, that as long as I move to Malta and satisfy um, my job requirements there, then I can do six mm. months anywhere. So for me, uh, at least in the, in the short to long term or short to medium term, sorry, um, it's it's going to continue so six months in malta and then six months maybe in brazil maybe in the america i wanted to go to canada do a ski season maybe travel a little bit of the us um i think for me that the important thing is the time zone um i'm getting up at five six o'clock in the morning which is which is tough but mm. i prefer it the way around um because at the moment i finish it too um yeah. and I can go to the beach, I can go to the pool, I can go get some food, I can just have a really nice chilled afternoon. So yeah, I think that's that's an important thing for me. Um, and then in terms of like the industries in general and, and how the world is going to look, I think that this is going to be a selling point for companies now. I think mm. especially for young people, um, it's going to be part of the package that they offer, the ability to travel, the ability to work remotely for maybe one, two months of the year. Um, to go to a certain company if, if that's an option. And I think right. that's, that's how the, I think, and then it, I think it's just going to develop and develop and develop from there. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. Oh, thanks for sharing that insight. And I think uh, what you just said about the time zone differences uh, is a really interesting point. Uh, because, yeah. you know, I'm in Brazil right now. Um, I am three hours ahead of um, central time. So things begin and end later for me. So that means yeah. I never really have to wake up early. Um, yeah. And I've actually never experienced the other way around where I would have to consistently wake up at 5 a.m. Um, yeah. So, you know, I think just in general, time zone. I think that's always a question that even I have still today. 
Uh, you know, how do you manage the time zone difference? And I think the answer really is just, you just get used to it, right? Yeah, um, this that, but what I would say is, like, with, with getting getting up at this time and, and also still living the lifestyle that I am, like meeting people, going out, going for drinks, going for dinner, not necessarily being in bed at nine o'clock, which is when you should really be asleep if you're <laughs> getting up at five, six o'clock. Um, yeah. So what I'd say is like after the first couple after the first couple of months, I just felt physically knackered. Like I yeah. needed to rest. So um and it's actually just started catching up with me recently. Like last week I felt like a train had hit me. I was like really, really <laughs> tired, just really like just weak. So the way I managed that is just having a few nights off. So basically like last week I just just went to my room just went didn't like rarely left my room just just watched Netflix chilled and just like reset and I'm yeah. feeling a bit better now so yeah you right need to reset so often for sure the ability to balance I like that uh yeah. if you go hard one night you you should really rest um uh you know if not the next day then maybe at yeah. least one of the next days right yeah sure. <laughs> Cool, man. Uh, all right. So another question, whenever you're traveling by yourself, um, how do you make friends? Um, yeah. Do you know what? Like I used to go out my way to do it. Like I used to like really like push it um, and, and try and like try and make friends and, and really make an effort and stuff like that. But like, if I'm honest, like, I'm super lazy with it now. I just let it happen. <laughs> yeah. do, it happens. Like, you know, you, people in hostels are super friendly, super chatty. Um, you know, it just it just happens organically, honestly. I, I don't make a, an, an effort, really, to do it anymore. It, I just meet people. People come and go. Um, I think it's always good to try and travel with somebody for, like, a long period of time. So... Um, one of my friends, Andy, I was traveling with him for like four weeks, three, four weeks. Um, mm -hmm. That's always good because if you're with somebody else that's also a solo traveler, then it just makes it easier to meet other people because there's two of you. And then you can meet people on nights out and you can meet people in bars. It's, it's more difficult to approach people in bars if you're on your own, I think. Yeah. yeah it just honestly, I just let it happen organically. I'm super, super lazy. And if, <laughs> like there's times where I, I just I literally cannot be bothered like so last week when I was like just really really knackered and yeah. it's also quite nice to just be like right I'm gonna do my own thing for a few days and not right. have to answer anybody <laughs> yeah <laughs> right you and I met organically and I think this the elevator at in Lapa yeah, uh, in Rio <laughs> at the Salida yeah, yeah. so it just yeah just kind of happened. Oh, this English dude, yeah. he's pretty nice. And I'm, yeah. hopefully you felt the same about me. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, we just organically yeah. became friends. And then yeah. we nearly got robbed together, didn't we? Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's do it. So one time me and Tom, I think it was a Sunday. Uh, I think that was our first mistake because normally on Sundays, there's this like area of uh, Lapa in Rio de Janeiro where um, it's, uh, it's pretty empty. Um, and then we were approached by a couple of sketchy people and then Tom had the 
good instinct of saying, dude, Wilson, we got to get out of here. And then the, the guy approached us uh, with a bicycle. And it was just really sketchy. And me and Tom just bolted and uh, we got out safely. But it was a it was a funny moment because uh, we were talking to like the hostel owners and uh, reception people about it. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, you got to be careful on Sundays in that area. Uh, but good instinct by Tom to to quickly run. I just followed his lead. <laughs> the, the funny thing was, um, both me and Wilson were carrying cups of coffee. Um, when when I ran, I threw my cup of coffee. I was like, right, throw the coffee and run. Um, I got to the door like of the hostel in safety, and I was like, oh, my coffee's gone. Wilson was like, stood there. It was like <laughs> I still had my coffee. I ran with yeah. it, and I'm like so not bad. a single drip <laughs> fell. Yeah, yeah, that was quite funny. Oh, that is yeah, hilarious. Bad, bad story. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool, man. Um, oh, what else? I think I had a list of other questions I want to ask you. Um, all right, so you know. You don't speak, maybe beginner, but you don't really speak Portuguese, Spanish. Um, how do you navigate around Latin America without, um, you know, having a maybe a deep understanding of the languages? Yeah, um, I don't know. It's it, it's all right. It, it, it's difficult at times. Um, in sort of like, there's been a couple of occasions where I've gone into a shop and like, or into a restaurant and ordered what I thought was like chicken and they brought me like a sandwich <laughs> um so yeah there's a few issues like that but in general you can kind of you can muddle your way through without the language like you know it, getting around a city you know using the metro system navigating the metro system is easy enough um you can kind of ask people and communicate with your hands and with your face and it would be odd word that you know so I don't think that's too much of a concern um then in terms of like meeting people there's enough English speakers around um as well to be able to meet people and get by with 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 like not being lonely or not not meeting anybody because you don't know the language um and then recently I think the most diff the most difficult thing for me initially was like if I was in a room with say loads of people and they were all speaking Portuguese and I didn't speak Portuguese. I used to find it really, really awkward. Honestly, for some reason, this trip, uh, I've just lost that awkwardness. I don't, find <laughs> that awkward. I don't find that an issue anymore. Like I can just sit back mm -hmm. and chill. Um, it's, it's not really a massive, massive problem for me. And yeah. funny thing as well is I was dating um, a girl in Rio and she didn't speak English. And I didn't speak Portuguese. So I've, I've actually learned that you, you don't actually need language to like communicate. Like, <laughs> um, I love you know, it. You can literally just get through. And people in, in England would ask me, they'd be like, oh, what, why are you dating somebody when you can't speak the language? And I was like, it's too hot to speak to people in Brazil. <laughs> and you know, it's yeah. funny because. Um, it's communication at the end of the day, right? Like if you don't speak yeah. the same language, you still have, somehow have to communicate. And uh, yeah. what I learned from Tom uh, and what I observed when we were in Rio together 
I, I had never seen anything like this before, but I think, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, if I'm recalling the story incorrectly, but I remember when we were at the restaurant, Tom, and you wanted to ask for the check and you didn't know how to say it in Portuguese. So yeah. I, I think what you did was you pointed at the TV screen, said Messi, okay, because he's Argentinian and he speaks Spanish. Somehow you knew the, the word for check, the check in Spanish and you, you said la cuenta. Um, yeah. And the, the waiter somehow understood you. He was like, oh yeah, let me get the check. Uh, even yeah. though that guy, he didn't speak Spanish, but he just understood because of the way you were communicating it. You're pointing to the uh, to TV screen where there was a soccer match. Everybody in the world knows Messi. Uh, and we were clearly finished with dinner. Uh, and you somehow communicated that to the waiter and he understood it. You are just a <laughs> communication master. <laughs> <laughs> That yeah, cracks me up, man. Signals, lots of hand yeah. signals and Mr. Bean faces. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you just got to do what you got to do, right? Um, yeah. All right, Tom. Well, um, so we are, I mean, one last thing, one last question, maybe, uh, you know, again, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, yeah, no you know, it's been a huge pleasure to, uh, to know you um, and to meet you. And I'm really glad that uh, I was able to interview you. Is there anything else, uh, any closing statement that you would like to say before we sign off? Uh, <laughs> put me on the spot a bit there. Uh, I don't know, guys. I <laughs> know, it's really open-ended, yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess, um, look, I mean, this, this, is, this is definitely the lifestyle that I want to lead. Um, so uh, if, if, I, don't, I don't think it's the, the best way to, to get the most out of... Um, the, the most out of uh, the world and the best experiences for yourself when you when you when you're working so if you can find a company that that can facilitate uh, you doing doing this working and traveling yeah. then go for it you've got nothing holding you back which i did, didn't at the time when i set off to brazil then yeah. um yeah it'll change your life it's really really fun yeah awesome well thank you so much tom and uh, yeah. i hope you have a great rest of your day and thanks for being yeah. on Cheers, guys. Bye-bye. Yep. Wilson. Appreciate it. See ya.